0: Hello, and welcome to the Weird Waves Podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is episode 60. On this week's podcast, we are talking to the guy who is on episode six, Jacob Kelly Quinlan. This is a really cool episode. Um, It was really interesting to look back at our first episode together, it was over a year ago, and see how much things have changed for him, for me and Andre, for the podcast and the world. Um, It was nice to look back on that and in that original episode we had talked about doing a part two, um, doing a more technical type of interview about um, river surfing how would you find a river wave if you were going to find one? All of that stuff. And this was really fun. It was a nice collaboration. It was out of my comfort zone because um, it's just a little bit of a different format for uh interview for me. It was just super fun and really, really interesting and super informative. I know you guys are going to love it. And the other thing I wanted to say is Jacob has a new video coming out. It will be coming out if you're listening to this on Monday. will be coming out Tuesday, October 27th. And I will have that link in the description as well. So here's episode 60. I know that you guys will love it. Cool. I, I like the your hat. That looks cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my hair is pretty messy in the mornings.
0: <laughs> I I understand that, you know what, I almost put a hat on to a beanie where um, I'm actually in michigan right now uh oh, yeah. for a family reunion and we're freezing me and andre got so used to florida <laughs> yeah exactly and i'm so cold i'm literally right by this like heated heating vent here in my like old childhood bedroom so,
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say like florida must be too warm for a beanie but yeah michigan
0: <laughs> michigan is ready for it yeah we're here for just a, a family reunion so it's kind of a it's it's cool. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, right at the beginning of coronavirus, we were with my parents for, like, two weeks, and I recorded, like, a bunch of podcasts up here. So it's kind of funny.
1: But now it seems a little bit colder.
0: <laughs> now it's colder, yeah. It's it's definitely colder, yeah. I'm just going to um, – let me just – I want to pull up that prompt um, just so I have it yeah. kind of if, – if, like, you know – you know, to. if we need it but i i don't know i just feel like it'll flow
1: yeah i hope so like like i was saying i don't think i've really seen anything where it's just kind of like this is what you need to do to find a wave that no one's ever surfed before yeah yeah My dog's trying
0: to come in. <laughs> oh, you know what? That has been a theme. We've had so many dogs in the last couple episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. that have just been like made an appearance or been a distraction there. Or... That's pretty funny. Okay, so I'm just opening this up. Here, my phone. I'll just wait for that to install. So how's everything else doing? You moved. Did you move like cities or you just uh, moved apartments yeah, or
1: something? Just within the city. Yeah, I mm-hmm. got a new place. Yeah, I totally turned into an adult. Got married. Got Oh, a wow.
0: Fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Congratulations. Hey, thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's pretty weird to have a Corona wedding, but it was nice I, and small, which is good.
0: <laughs> I bet. What was that like?
1: Yeah, so we had to keep it under 50. So we tried to keep it to just 30 people and just did it in the park. It was really nice, really chill day, which is surprising. <laughs> like that that was what we were going for. But I think we actually pulled it off, which was nice.
0: That's so cool. When was that?
1: Uh, September
0: twelfth. Oh, wow. So recent. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Congratulations. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you.
1: What are you guys, are you guys engaged or thinking about
0: (laughs) Oh, we've been married. Andre and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, Andre and I have been married. Our, our, uh, four, four year wedding anniversary is next month. Amazing. So yeah, it is cool. I think people assume, people do assume that we're like boyfriend and girlfriend because we're so young, but yeah, we got married at like 23 or something. We were crazy. we just were like let's get (laughs) married (laughs) okay so far so good (laughs) but yeah yeah that's so cool um and man I had a secondary question I forgot so you okay so you got married and you moved did you I'm assuming you moved in together that was your move right yeah
1: yeah just a place that was like both
0: of ours which is nice That's, that's nice yeah that's cool that's yeah. very cool. So it's been I actually looked um I was looking on the dates for our podcast together. Let me just pull it up. Our first one was episode 6 and it was September 3rd. So it's been over a year. Holy cow. Since since our first one together. That's so crazy. Yeah.
1: It seems like it wasn't that long ago.
0: I know, that's <laughs> what I was telling Andre too and um <laughs> so much can happen in a year yeah it's like crazy I was re-listening to that episode and the audio quality was like <laughs> not not the greatest but we've I would say by episode probably just a few after years was when we really kind of like figured out our style of editing and how we want things to sound and how we want the flow to be and all of that stuff so
1: that's cool. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on 60 episodes. That's
0: Can impressive. It? It's It's really cool. It's really cool. We got into a little bit of a, a funk, I'd say. I think everybody did just with COVID. Yeah. It kind of like changed what we found was the people were um they used to listen to us as a part of their routine, which is awesome. But then when the routine gets interrupted, then you kind of, like, forget about those aspects of your routine. So that's why, like, I was telling you about the video aspect. um, We started doing that. So we kind of took, like, five weeks off. And I went back and, like, turned any video that we had, uh, old, like, saved videos into, like, edited YouTube content. Cool. And um, put that out and... Um, we had another person recommend us to do like a clips channel.
1: Yeah.
0: So kind of go back through old episodes and get, you know, whatever, like Jacob Kelly's advice for this thing. And it's just a clip. Yeah. Yeah. Just like 10 minutes or 20 minutes long. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, we're definitely back in the groove of things now. It's, it's cool. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So.
1: Um, That's a, a great project to bring you out of a funk, too, because you, like, revisit all these good memories, and, like, it's almost a time capsule to when things were happier. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a time capsule, I think. um, Also, too, like, you look back, and it's weird, because um, with this, weird time or this weird like six months it's like it feels like it was so long ago and yet it was only a couple months ago but like beaches were closed our beach was closed when we first moved to Florida um so everything about surfing seemed like people didn't know is it dangerous (laughs) like can we do that safely kind of all that stuff so now I think everybody is kind of in a little bit of a better space with everything so um I know me personally I'm my passion for the project has been reinvigorated so that's cool That's good. Yeah. I
1: feel like time sort of slowed down too. Like the the day just wasn't as packed full like and it was more like getting news updates and things like that and it kind of slowed things down. So that, like that 6 months was felt longer.
0: <laughs> but yeah. it's like
1: it's like a separate part of my brain now like that that whole covid thing. It's like that that chapter.
0: <laughs> yeah, so are you guys um maybe talk talk about where what your location is just in case somebody hasn't listened to episode 6 and just give us a rough overview.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um so up in Canada, uh, I live in Calgary, and that's just outside of the Kananaskis Provincial Park. So that's where we do most of our surfing. But it's it's nice because um, that river comes off of a reservoir and there's a power dam. So our, our river surfing happens pretty much year-round. Like, we have to deal with ice a little bit. Um, so when it first comes off, there's, um, like, our river pretty much turns off. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's like dry river it's pretty crazy but um all this ice forms around the sides so when they turn the river back on it like flushes all this ice down it takes about like i don't know 30 minutes and then all the ice gets flushed through and then we've got our awesome surf wave so like uh yeah i try not to go below minus 15 i don't know what that is in fahrenheit but like 15 degrees I don't lower than zero for us <laughs> but it, it's it's pretty cold and it definitely gets colder than that and and we've gone out with days like that, and I don't know, like um, yeah, it gets it get the risks get
0: much higher. It's five degrees, okay. five degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Not not quite zero for you. <laughs> no,
0: but still, I mean, it's cold. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's it's nice at that temperature because the water still stays warm. Like if if you've got a good wetsuit, like, and even like you don't need the thickest wetsuit. Like you think you'd need to go for the seven mil uh, if mm-hmm. even. 7 mil. But as long as you don't have any holes and the wetsuit kind of like keeps the water out, it's actually really warm because the water's around 32 or zero <laughs> because it can't get any colder. Otherwise, it'd be ice.
0: It'd be frozen.
1: But the parking lot, like getting changed, oh, in yeah. a suit, that's the worst part. Yeah.
0: So, what thickness of wetsuit in that condition are you using?
1: Like for me, it's only a 5'4. It's oh, a 5'4". wow. Yeah. Um, and that's a little bit different. Like, I think a lot of people here are using a six, five, four, mm-hmm. but sort of through the years, my wetsuits have gotten thinner and thinner. Like even in the summer here, I'm kind of like, I'll have an hour long session in board shorts <laughs> and everybody else is still in a four, three. I just kind of got acclimatized to colder water, maybe killed some nerve endings or something. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> or you're like, um, Wim Hof. Right, yeah. he's the guy that does all the cold water stuff.
1: Yeah, I think he has some breathing exercises that I don't have, but <laughs> <laughs> that <kind of>
0: thing. <laughs> you're the river surfing Wim Hof. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> so, it, is it different, maybe the cold factor? Because, um, like on the lake when we were surfing, I was usually in a 5'4 as well, mm-hmm. um, only because me personally, I would rather be colder then lose the flexibility that a 654 kind of for me it just put me over that threshold of feeling too like constricted constricted yeah yeah okay. um but that was kind of unusual i would say that most people were wearing like 65s um yeah. but for us because it's wind swell the yeah. water is isn't what's cold it's like kind of like what you're saying, like, of course the water's cold, but it's the wind chill. So like when you see the ice beards and everything, that's not them being in the water. That's them when they come out of the water and the, the air is so cold and the wind is so cold that it'll freeze on your body. So I'm wondering, um, because there's no wind swell for the river, is it like more protected areas mostly? And that's why it's,
1: yeah, our wave, um, it's in a mountain valley. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like, we've got a mountain in front of us, trees on the other side of us. So there's one wind direction that will like come straight down the river. And those days are really, really hard. <laughs> like
0: it's like so that cold.
1: minus 15 rule doesn't apply anymore. Like mm-hmm. like, like even below zero gets really, really cold when you have the wind. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, I would say like, I would almost avoid a windier day before avoiding a cold day. Which is crazy because you guys, like on the lakes, it has to be a windy day. It has to be have. a windy
0: day. Yeah, that's right. And and you know what's interesting too is that even in Florida, it's pretty similar. I've, yeah. I, we're kind of learning, definitely this last month we've surfed so much and yeah. just learning the differences there. But in Florida, you unless it's like, a, uh, like remnants of a hurricane swell, you almost want this combination wind and ground swell because yeah. it almost needs this like choppiness for it to have any substance in a way mm-hmm. like um you need a long a long board for their cleaner waves is what i'm i'm seeing um but on days when like if you check surfline or magic seaweed it'll say poor conditions because it's like 20 knots offshore like onshore winds yeah. not even cross But straight blasting onshore, that's when there's a bunch of surf short borders just absolutely ripping because it just holds the, it just gives it a little bit more of an edge rather than this like clean gliding wave.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and in Um, Florida, they need the the size is an issue, at least where I'm at. I'm in Southern Florida, so it might be different, like more north, but at least where I'm at, they need it.
1: Um, I've never seen anything like surfers wearing anything to like be a windbreaker or anything like that like are wetsuits pretty good at cutting the wind or does it still get through the neoprene like i've seen stand-up paddleboarders have like a a sort of it's not right it's not exactly a windbreaker it's still neoprene but it's like almost has like you know sort of a thin layer that will cut the wind is there any? like i just don't see anything like that
0: no but there's that patch like right on the front um mm-hmm. and back that is that different material so yeah. it's that um instead of the more flexible neoprene it's a mm-hmm. more solid layer yeah. so that blocks the wind at least in your chest mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe I just don't notice it. Just because, like I, I can't remember being like the, the wind is the issue that's you know making mm-hmm. me cold. It's just kind of the whole thing is cold, and you're just cold the whole time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah. It wouldn't and, be like gust of wind would you know extra cold. It wasn't you're like just that. cold. <laughs> you're just cold, and then if by chance you wipe out too intensely and water kind of gets inside of your hood and like flushes you out then you're like cold 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 that's like oh boy (laughs) like a I don't know eating too much ice cream all at once
1: (laughs) (laughs) brain freeze
0: yeah brain freeze
1: for sure yeah yeah um and at a certain point you must start to like sort of love the wind too like if that's the source of the waves it's almost like you grow an appreciation for it
0: yeah i'm when we were surfing the lake and for lake surfers it's definitely like that they they only look at the wind charts so it's all about wind charts and the kite kite surfing websites and the noaa reports and stuff like that um where like the last time andre and i were surfing before we came here it was Andre's like, oh, it's just like Michigan, like in Florida. It was like, oh, we know exactly how to surf this. You know, it's like you just kind of get smashed for the first however many, you know, first meter basically till you get out the back and then there's something kind of rideable and that's just not that much <laughs> different. <you're> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a welcoming, like, oh, here. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It I is. Had a-
1: it had like a head start on someone if they came from like California or something yeah. perfect waves. You're like, yeah, no, no, yeah. we got this.
0: <laughs> yeah, the only thing the the buoyancy has been pretty weird. I don't know. Maybe you get that too, right? Because yours is freshwater as well, right? The rivers are all freshwater.
1: Well, we we would change boards, right? So in the okay. river, it's all um, like EPS epoxy. Okay. And they float really high and. Like, um, like in the ocean, I think the most common is like a surf tech or, or swell tech or something like that. But I've been on one of those boards in the ocean and it floats way too high. It f- feels weird. You know what Yeah. I mean? Like
0: a torque. Have you seen those torque boards?
1: I haven't, but it's definitely like, like I'll switch to an ocean board and it's, it's almost, it's almost like a perfect balance, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to, uh, like a poly board in the ocean, that's kind of the same sink that you get in the river, on an epoxy board. So yeah, that's that's weird. That's interesting. I do know guys who take their river boards out to the ocean. I should ask them if if it's a weird adjustment.
0: Yeah, I would I would be interested to see that because I find that the like the board that I was riding um the most on the lakes is kind of like it's not what I'm what I need. You know it's like it's there's something like kind of off we've since found some other boards and stuff. Um actually I find that I'm wanting a little bit more rocker for whatever reason. I think that at least where I'm surfing because of the tides can really affect the size of the wave where we didn't really have that on the lake. It was just kind of like the wave will like eventually just go away. You know, it, yeah. there was no, like, it's going to get bigger with the the pitchiness is going to increase or decrease oh. with the tides. Um, so I'm finding like moderate float. And more rocker is kind of what I'm into for right now.
1: That's one of my favorite things about surfing, though. And, and like, bittersweet, like, love and hate is just, like, the quiver of boards of just, like, and, like, being able to blame the board that day. Like, I'm I'm having a terrible day. It's got to be the surfboard.
0: That was me the last day. That was me, (laughs) like, like right before we left as well because I was so – I have, like, a short, short board. I have a 5'10". Um, which is what I brought with me from New Zealand. And it's a great board. And in that, those prior wave conditions, it had like just enough volume that it could really be a wave for kind of, a board for every every sort of wave, except for really, really small. And then the only, the thing I have next up is an eight foot board. And so I'm finding that I, I'll, I'm going to get something kind of in the middle, maybe like a six, four, mm-hmm. you know, something beefy, but beefy enough that I can catch it so what I was doing when it was bigger like last week is I was taking out my 510 and basically just practicing like getting like my duck diving skills which kind of got away from me I wasn't surfing smaller boards on the lake um and just kind of getting out the back and then uh the the size on the report was supposed to go down a little bit so I brought out on this last day my long board my eight foot board and um while the wind I didn't check the wind. So the wind made it pick up in size along with the tides. And I just could, it was just a joke. It um, was just an absolute joke. And uh, <laughs> I was like, it was just so ridiculous. And Andre had his fish and he was having the time of his life, oh, right? Yeah. Cause he had a, a he has a five, eight, it was like way out there. And it's me. And I was just getting absolutely maggot in the front. long. <laughs> <in my voice. laughs> So,, what are the differences that you look for in the board uh, like when you're river surfing? So yeah. are you guys like sw- switching fins out and messing around with buoyancy and rocker and all that stuff too?
1: Yeah, so uh sort of in the beginning, when more and more people were coming from the ocean to the river, it was like you would just take your ocean board in there um, the The shape of a river wave is is interesting it kind of like goes down before it goes up like there's an in slope to a wave um, okay. and then goes up that you don't have in the ocean like the ocean is flat and it picks up the wave so in front of you it's flat but in a river you need a drop um, okay the, the the water has to go down before it kind of goes up that's actually what makes the shape of the wave so a it's lot of drop people, yeah The um so the it's this weird thing, like, you know how water fills its container? Like, if you have a glass of water and you tip the glass and it stays sort of level, mm-hmm. that's what the whole river is doing. So it's like you're, you're kind of tipping the whole river bottom and it's filling the shape of its glass, more or less, in the way that it can. So that river wave is, like, sort of the whole river picking up to meet where the front of the drop is, like, where it starts to go down. It's, like, trying to get back up to meet that you know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of hard to explain, but what ends up happening is the area in front of you where you're surfing starts to move up, like uh, like a slope. Mm. So if you have, like, a lot of the waves in Alberta that I'm surfing, for example, um, if you have anything over six foot, like, even a six-four, like, will catch that in-slope and, like, just totally nosedive you every time. So, like most of the river waves even if you wanted to take out like an eight foot board or nine foot board like the typical board you'd learn to surf on it won't even fit in the the sort of the the area that we have to surf so it's it's kind of hard <laughs> as a beginner coming into the river mm-hmm. you don't have those like those days where you just ride the whitewash in on a straight line on a huge board like we don't have that luxury i guess to okay. sort of get that board sense so um what ended up happening is the boards would get thicker and wider like you know the mini simmons shape yeah so if you can picture a mini simmons it it would be similar like that and then take an outline out of that so like or like a retro fish like the really thick like from the 70s 80s sort of retro fish where they still had the the thruster fin (laughs) um but like I've seen guys with boards that are like four inches thick and oh my gosh yeah like it they're just uh like we're trying to get in so like like I've seen boards that are less than six feet long that are still like 40 liters you know what I mean like 40 liters is a big board that's
0: a huge board yeah yeah
1: so like they're just packing it in but that's sort of what you need when you're starting out because um it offers a lot of stability um, and the way that the river goes, it's, it's also not so uniform, I guess. Like if you were surfing behind a boat, like in wake surfing, that has a very similar shape. Like the wave is a little bit smaller. Um, it's planing really fast. Like if the water underneath you is moving really fast, but it's not a huge wave. Whereas like on a mushy small day in the ocean, the water, it seems like it doesn't move as fast. You know what I mean? So this is like a fast moving wave but it's a little bit smaller but um in the river it has all these irregularities it's not mechanical like the boat so it, it'll just like you'll be like i've seen beginners in the we call it the pocket like you're in the in the part of the wave that's going to hold you and you're about ready to stand up and then just like it just flips you <laughs> or it just takes you you know what i mean so our boards um So cutting off sort of the front of the board, you still want a lot of, like, planing surface, sort of like a long board or a Mini Simmons. So it's quite flat, not a lot of rocker, and then really thick. And then that kind of makes these fatter rails and everything. So that offers a lot of stability in the beginning. Um, So when we moved from, like, sort of these, like, potato chip surfboards, like what (laughs) Kelly Slater had, like, we had those on the river to these like really massive, thick, like 40 liter, like chopped nose kind of things. I think we're starting to like find sort of a river board now. And a lot of it's um, coming from Europe where they've been surfing in Germany for just about 50 years now. And same kind of thing, like they were just cutting the nose off ocean boards and they they now have their own shapers. Um, They're making river specific boards. And now, like in Bend, Oregon, there's a shaper there, there's shaper here in Alberta. Like I think it's like everyone's starting to tune it out. So it's a little bit thicker, but definitely not four inches.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had um the guy from Cubicle Surf, he was on the podcast. It, yeah. He was yeah, Travis, that's right. He was he was a really, really interesting dude and he's doing some really cool stuff with those boards.
1: Yeah, he's definitely pushing the edge. So the other thing to look for in a river board is, like, something that's stronger, right? Uh-huh. And it can take some impact because, like, we've got a lot of rocks out there. Right. <laughs> and and for uh, Bend or Munich, they have concrete walls. Like, you're surfing in between concrete walls. So it's very easy for that board to just, like, slam into, like, a slab of concrete, which isn't happening in the ocean.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, for the most part, you're right. Unless you're. S- Rockers. surfing under a a under pier. A pier. <laughs> I surf right by the pier, so I okay. I've seen some pretty ooh yeah. Yeah,
1: okay. So yeah. I've
0: seen some crunching happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but,
1: but that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but you definitely have the hazard is higher for you guys than mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm curious um about the beginner to intermediate transition. So mm-hmm. for um, specifically like ocean surfing or, or even lake surfing, you kind of, when you start, you stand up, go straight on the whitewash, then you try to get out the back and you paddle into the energy of the green wave before it breaks, or, you know, you hit that inside as it's crashing to hit the green part of the wave and kind of turn on the angle. So for a river wave, is there multiple sections? It seems like they all have kind of their own style, but to me, I'll, I guess I'll talk it out for someone who hasn't seen a river wave. My mm-hmm. perspective of it, and then we That'd can break great. it down. I'll okay. I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my pers- <laughs> my perspective of a river wave is like that in between break. It's not an A-frame wave. It's kind of like a corner, like a point break almost, where it's crashing on one side and then it's like an open green wave on the other like going out in this like weird triangular way. How does that, that work?
1: That, that's good like and and there's a lot of different river waves but like that's what we're looking for right okay. where you can have like um uh sort of a broken wave section and a green wave section and it has like all of the pieces of your experience surfing, like from the paddle in to the pop up to like going between the pocket and the green face and going back and forth in between those. If you can find a river wave that has all those pieces, then you can recreate that sort of surf experience. Whereas mm-hmm. there are smaller river waves that might just be. Uh, it looks more like uh, after the wave's broken, like riding in whitewash. Okay. So yeah, those are the. Those would be the. That would be the kind of river wave that you would build, <laughs> right? Like it crashing side and a big wide open green face yeah
0: and I I think yeah
1: yeah sorry for the progression from the beginners yeah so it it, I would I would think that it's the almost the exact same thing okay but it's kind of hard to see it unless you know what you're looking for like how you just broke down a river wave into its sections with like sort of whitewash green face that's really good because I think that that's happening And we now have people coming to river surfing that haven't learned how to surf in the ocean. Like, they're just like, this is the first surf experience they've ever had.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So they, they don't see it in those pieces, right? Um, It's a completely new experience to them, but we have, um, the beginners will learn to stand up and then they almost get stuck where they're only riding straight like mm-hmm. the river wave is maybe 10 feet wide or or hopefully a lot wider, like up to 30 feet wide for a river surf wave. But they're sort of stuck in this one spot. And then, so that's just like riding the whitewash. And then you get the wiggle and then they're like, kind of like moving left yeah. and right, but it's more of a wiggle. They're not putting in carves. And then you'll see it in beginners when you, when I would say that switch when you could say they're intermediate or like they're they're well on their way is they actually you'll see someone look up away from their board or look up off the water, okay, and then start looking for their turns, so they'll start mm. looking down the line, and I think that's the same in the ocean right like as soon as you can kind of look down the line and and the the real intermediate to advance is like you're looking before you're turning, you know it's kind of like
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's perfect. I just it's interesting too. I wonder how it um I'm trying to break it down for myself too because for beginners to intermediate in ocean or lake surfing, it's kind of okay, I'm getting out past the whitewash. I'm catching I don't know, three out of the 10 green waves that I'm going for. And I'm still, cause you can still catch the green wave and only angle, you know, mm-hmm. I'm riding the angle. I'm like, I'm riding the wave and then kind of that step into the intermediate is starting to do, okay, I'm doing a bottom turn and I'm, or I, that's when people maybe focus less on tricks per se, or they want to rotate boards around and try different feelings in that way. I think the hardest thing is the transition from how do I paddle into a green wave and like make the drop into it, you know, from the top of the lip all the way down into the surfable part of the wave um, and not fall (sighs) versus the kind of stand up, go straight or even stand up and turn um, on like this whitewash.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, if you if you're looking at their turns and when they're starting to ride the angle to when they're doing the turns, I think if you look at where their chin or where they're looking and where what their shoulders are doing, that's sort of like that's where I help um, beginners in the river or like someone who's asking me for some help. That's usually where I have to get them to make that leap of faith or like sort of get out of their their rut or their funk is. Mm-hmm. You really got to start looking around and start moving your shoulders first I think that's what happens with the wiggle is they want to turn and and even like have you ever watched a video of you surfing or like seen like photos and stuff
0: only a couple yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's harder in the ocean but in the river like it's it's like right there like people pull out a cell phone and then so so something goes up of you on Instagram and you're like oh I would that doesn't look good. <laughs> like yeah. You're doing the wiggle, and you think you're doing like these big, like, like Mick Fanning turns, hard carves, and big spray. And then you look at the video, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's Just like a wiggle." <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's sort of like, yeah, body that like sort of compression and extension where it like whips the, your lower body, like your hips are turning, and then you're really turning it. But it starts with the upper body to get that twist.
0: I'm curious as well about how I don't I'm not exactly sure how to frame this question, but I think you'll see where I'm going with it. So okay. I'm curious how the community or the what the interaction is like while surfing is going on. So to compare again with ocean surfing, there's no one really to tell you what you're doing wrong unless like. If you're surfing with your friends and they just rode a wave in and then you rode a wave in right after them, then they might see something that you've done wrong and they can tell you and correct you. Mm -hmm. Where what I'm seeing in the videos of river surfing is that people are kind of taking turns in the wave and there's tons of, maybe not tons, but there is people on kind of either one side of the river or the other side of the river or they're standing in the water. It seems like there's more availability to coach or be coached and is that kind of a part of river surfing
1: oh absolutely like w- without a doubt it so our our arena <laughs> if you could call it like that or like our playing field is completely different in probably that aspect alone like the because the wave is stationary um like a lot of guys uh like I started seeing this, I never did this, but they bring out a GoPro and just put it on the rocks next to the wave and hit record. And then they go and surf. And I was like, well, I have never seen a, like a, a surf video. Like you're not making surf videos. What's up. And they're like, well, it would be boring. It's just like a static shot. Sometimes they post like a good ride or something like that, but the advantage of being able to do that and then taking that GoPro home and watching your rides is amazing so um the coaching stuff and all that kind of stuff is happening maybe less than that like we we do it's crazy because you're standing in line like you actually wait in line for your ride standing watching the person in front of you so in the ocean when your buddy gets his wave and he surfs in and you're like see the back of his head pop up and down maybe like you don't really see the ride in the river you're right next to them like you can surf over and give a high five if you wanted like that's how close you are so it, i think um we get a lot of like surf clubs or crews we, we would sort of call them and it's like group of people who would surf together like interchangeably like you always go out with your bud but um surf crews sort of happen and they kind of coach each other and, and supply advice to each other and then you have like these rival crews which is kind of cool um, <laughs> that that happens a lot on the river and it, it's all in good fun like I don't think we we are getting into the area where there's like territorialism or localism that kind of stuff but it is interesting that like you'll be able to recognize a crew and they're sort of like helping each other but they're not helping everyone you know you okay know? And, and you, you got to kind of read the person who's out there. Cause like, if I just started like offering advice to everyone out there, not everyone's going to take it too. Uh,
0: yes. Um, yes. And,
1: and some people that uh, when they're first learning, it, it's, it's really actually hard to have that many eyeballs on them. Right. Because people are lining up on either side and there's a GoPro on the rocks and, and all this kind of stuff. It, it like actually like. It's increases intimidating. The, right? Yeah. So it, it, it changes it on on both sides. So there's like pros and cons of our, our surf environment for sure.
0: And what is like the, what is something that's kind of like a no, like a no, no, you know, like a, like bad etiquette. that some, Someone's going to think, oh, whatever, like, you know, snaking or something like that.
1: We, we don't get a lot of snaking. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like, <laughs> like it, 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 it does happen as a joke. Like, uh, yeah. I, I've I got just mean that-
0: like, I mean, like, an equivalent, you know, if there's something like that.
1: Um, So the biggest thing with standing in line and having, like, that, like, standing in such close quarters, like, being right next to the person that you're surfing with, um, I think it does change the environment to the point where you're sort of all in the same boat. Like, Like, you do want to have a positive attitude. You sort of treat others like how you want to be treated, Um, that's how I can sort of tell if somebody wants advice or coaching or anything like that, because, um, a lot of, uh, surfers will be a little bit more stoic and like focused on their surf and they're kind of there to get their reps in. And then others are asking people like for advice and and like, like a little bit more chatty in the lineup. And then others are just goofing off. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of whoever's in the water that, that energy is sort of contagious, right? Like you can almost see two people come down like because you walk down the riverbed and say there's six people surfing and there's sort of an energy amongst the guys and girls surfing at that time and then these two like characters come down and it like completely changes, changes. The energy. yeah and that happens in the ocean too like I've definitely experienced that where like I'll paddle out and I'm just in a good mood and like, you know, sometimes the, late, the, the wait's kind of long. So I'm like singing and like trying to do like a backflip off my board. Like it can definitely change the energy, but you're just so close to one another in the lineup that uh, I think everyone's a little bit more aware of how their energy does affect it. So if you were to like snake someone or like do something to cross someone in the etiquette of the river surfing, then you got to go line up right behind them and then it's like <laughs> tensions way too hot right so it's it doesn't happen as much we had this one guy come down he just ocean surfer all all he was familiar with was ocean and he's a good surfer and we get that a lot they come down with maybe a little bit more of a cocky attitude and then he thought one of our like locals who's like been around he he, he knows what he's doing he thought he like snaked him or something and he got really pissed off at him and then like they they had a bit of an exchange and he was kind of like hey man like uh, i didn't mean any trying to like make things better and this guy just kind of huffed and puffed and like stormed off like he just like cr- took his ball and went home sort of thing <laughs> it's, it's like okay well now next time you come out like It'll you're going to be the guy way. who like <laughs> like stormed <laughs> off right so it's it's this uh i guess the community's a little bit tighter like you you just you're not seeing them from like one break to the next break so far that you can't recognize them in the lineup you're like you're as close as a handshake sort of thing so it does bring people a little bit closer together
0: what happens if like most so most of your waves i'm assuming that a lot of them are a little bit more remote or they're like a specific like this is a river wave park right what what about those in the middle places like are you meeting like hikers and like i don't know boaters or i don't something like that
1: so i i would call them wild waves i think that's
0: wild waves okay it,
1: it's kind of a hard like we're still like creating the culture and like figuring out what the language is so i don't know somebody might call it something else but you have like you say like bend oregon mm-hmm. that's a a white water park that has a wave and now okay. they're they're looking at like making wave parks that's like the whitewater park was built by kayakers for kayaking. And now you like surfers are like, we just want a wave. So it's a, <laughs> you got a wave park and like you take a section of the river and you just build a wave. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's these wild waves that are like everywhere. It's, it's insane how many of these things exist. Like I've been searching these for like the last 10 years, I discovered that these things are a lot more frequent than we know. And it's quite possible that it's only like a certain time of year, usually in spring when there's like all the snow is melting down from the mountains and the rivers pick up. And so you have this swell that like happens in the middle of a river somewhere and you have this like beautiful wave. And this thing could be breaking somewhere in the world right now and like no one's surfing it because they just don't know it's there. So we have like this whole community of like wave hunters. They're like sort of going out and trying to find these wild waves and the community that around these wild waves, is, it, it kind of varies from wave to wave, but the way to sort of like the, the early explorers, we'll say, of these surf waves are actually kayakers or I would call like the paddling community. So these are anybody who is in a boat with a paddle or stand up paddle board who are going from they're, they're like paddling a whole section of river and through that um, like float down they get to see all aspects of the river and it's really cool like I've seen like uh, white water rafting is a big example like the the rafts they've got like 10 people in them and they'll actually like spin around and like paddle into a wave and they'll like catch a wave on the fly in a white water raft
0: and the guide's <laughs> like
1: on the back like he's the surfers right like running. right and everybody's just kind of like like surfing a, a wave it, it's crazy so this whole surfing thing has happened in rivers for way longer than anybody thought to be like hey i should take a surfboard out on there like it's been happening for a really long time and they um they have their whole community around there and so you can i think in the late 1990s like kind of 2000s this whole movement of freestyle kayaking had this like sort of explosion and I think the boats changed shape or something they got a lot shorter mm-hmm. it actually like mimics sort of this mini Simmons shape yeah and
0: they have this um kind of waterproofing thing that goes around their stomach right so that water doesn't come into their kayak
1: they call it a skirt
0: yeah the skirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure
1: <laughs> then uh so when that happened they started the the sort of waves that they were looking for were more what we what we would look for like a surf wave right and their culture is a little bit different they would I think call it rodeo wave or, or play boating or freestyle kayaking but if you go on the internet and you you know what to search for with like rodeo or playboat or things like that you can find some amazing waves and like it's gnarly like it's like some of these rivers are pretty crazy and turbulent and it's not like you can just walk up and jump in and surf the wave. Like you have to have some serious river skills, but um, this whole community like exploded of, uh, and a lot of these kayakers were coming from whitewater rafting. Like they have river experience. They're not coming from ocean, like a completely different playground and trying to find a wave like we are. They were already in the rivers and they might be like, Hey, remember when we did that run in in july do you want to go back there in may and, and when it's really huge and see if we can find some waves so all of these like sort of wild waves were starting to be pinned by these kayakers and then there's like endless amounts of youtube footage of kayakers like like surfing waves and like doing crazy stuff like they do way crazier stuff than we do like you know full barrel rolls corkscrews i, I don't know the names of it <laughs> but these have become sort of like our allies in, in finding riverways, this whole community. And uh, like I try to be as nice to the kayakers as I can, even though it's like that skier snowboarder oh,
0: yeah. sort
1: of rivalry sort of thing going on. They're like, oh, these surfers, you know, like no respect for the river and <laughs> they don't take safety seriously enough. But meanwhile, they know where all the good waves are sort of thing.
0: <laughs> you got to be, be friends with those guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know that's. So if if you were to try to find a wild wave, mm-hmm. what are you looking for? Like the example I think of was like I was talking to my parents last night about this interview today, and my parents are looking for property or have been looking at property in West Virginia, and there's a big Ohio River, and the property they're looking at kind of cuts through, and it's just. It's a massive, you know, it would literally be like, we're going wave hunting. So if someone was to go wave hunting on property with nobody there, what are, first of all, what are you looking for? And second of all, if you see something that looks like what you're looking for, is there a way to enhance or like cultivate a wave that a regular person could do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: I, I think so.
0: If you, <laughs> I, I, I hope that you, you can feel where I'm going with these questions. They're not exact. They're just really kind of coming out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to try okay. and guide it. And if okay. I get off track or like, like this is like my favorite thing to talk about. So if I just get too stoked and and the coffee's taken over, just like bring me back. back okay. On okay. <laughs> so, um, so like, like uh, the Ohio River is it? Um, yeah. So to, to just, like, be like, oh, here's a river, I'm just going to go walk the bank, like, that would be sort of just buying a lottery ticket and hoping for the best. Um, okay. If you have a property, then, yeah, definitely go do that. But I, I think the search, um, like, wave scouting, we're maybe not starting by just walking the bank, more <laughs> or less. Like, there's a certain set of conditions that you would want to look for in, in a river. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I would sort of look at is just like um, just get on Google and see sort of what the river looks like, and there's there's some like lingo that you might need to pick up or or like there's ways to to read a river. there is like swell charts and wind charts that you're most familiar with. So we look at flow data. Um, so a river is measured in its volume of like how much river is passing by a gauge. Like there's like a little sort of like a thermometer, but for flow, sitting in the river. And they have these set up all across the world, like especially in the United States is really good at it because I think it's the, the army, like the naval engineers, or I forget what it's called now. I should know this because I look at their charts all the time, but like it's actually really well set up. And this is really important for um, tracking flooding. So if, if anywhere's going to flood, these gauges are really important to like give um, a heads up. Uh, if you know we got a ton of water coming so a lot of time you'll have a huge snowfall and then you have this like flash flood rain so normally when the snow comes off the top it's 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 like a regular year of uh, spring runoff but if the rain gets down under the snow and it just like takes all the snow down at once and the snow and the rain is hitting the river that's when you have flood conditions this is also really good for surfing like typically
0: so flood if, conditions are ideal or a place that has certain types of flood warnings is something to look out for.
1: Uh, yeah, sort of kind of like f- okay. flooding, flooding conditions are dangerous. Like when you see flood advisories, that's probably not when you want to get in the river, but like okay. typically in a river, if you see a feature that's going to create a wave,
0: mm-hmm. when you
1: add more volume of water, it sort of gets better and better and better. Okay. There's- Sense.
0: That makes sense. So,
1: so it, if so, the, let's talk about the set of conditions that you need. And we already touched on this a little bit, but the river needs to go through a drop, right? So, you need about um, one meter, like you need about three feet of that river to hit a point where it just kind of like goes down. Um, so, the whole so, if you were to look at the river online and you're looking at pictures and this thing is like this really wide river that almost looks like a lake that's kind of like moving pretty slow and there's not a lot of drops in it it's going to be really hard to find
0: a wave um would you could you find this by looking more like at a topography type of map so it would kind of show like levels of depth and height
1: You absolutely could, if that existed. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Right? Because if if you were searching for mountain peaks that you wanted to hike or, like, kind of go up, then I think that exists. Like, topographical maps, like, that's how maps are made. But they don't have that for river bottoms, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you would have to send sort of some kind of probe down the river that, like, does echo sound location. Like, mapping river bottoms just isn't a thing. Like, it is making maps of mountains or, or terrain. Does okay, that make sense?
0: it should be, yeah, that's <laughs> what I would think of.
1: Yeah, then, then, yeah, you could find waves easily, right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, turn on a Google Google Maps with the Google Images, the topography version, and have it go down, and you say, yeah. oh, there's a wave.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but there there are some, some cheats that you can use to try and find maps, because uh, there there's definitely uh, wave hunters who are using Google maps to try and find waves, mm-hmm. but what they're typically looking for. So you'll, you'll be able to see that drop in a river on Google maps because it, it it's like green or Brown or whatever a Google map river looks like. And then it has a section of white. Mm. Um, so th- this is why you want to kind of track down the whitewater rafters or sort of like the, the kayaking community. Cause that's what they're looking for. Long stretches of water, that we call white water but if you're looking at a google map it's like you can see rapids mm-hmm. just google satellite image right so in that section of rapids just because there's white water or rapids doesn't mean there's a good surf wave but that's the best place to look right mm-hmm. and then another thing to look for is all across north america around the world they have these dams that they've built and this is usually like, it's called a low head dam, but it's it's just sort of, it backs all the water up and then it just flows over. And this can be extremely dangerous or it can be like a really good surf wave. And there's different technologies to be able to build these dams, but typically um, they've been built for pulling water off the river to do irrigation. So it, if you have this big wide river, um, Typically, you're not going to find white water, but if there's like a lot of farming in the area, um, they'll be building these low head dams that backs the water up. And then when the water hits that point, there isn't a natural drop. The low head dam will create that drop. And then there's like a side channel. So water will come off and that goes out to water the farmer's fields. And then you have this extremely fun or extremely dangerous thing that's stuck in the river that's making that happen. Right. Um, so those, you have to be careful, you have to know what to look for, but when that water flows over the low head dam, um, you'll get a lot of bubbles, like the, it creates turbulence in the water. And if you watch the bubbles and they're moving, like they go over the dam and then they're moving back towards the dam, like a river runs one way, right? And when when a river runs the way it shouldn't run in turbulence water- what happens is you're going to go like you're going to get stuck in there like you're not going to be able to have an exit okay and what's happening below the surface is it's called a weir but it's just like a revolving door of water that's just sitting there like you can throw a stick in there and you just watch it like bob up and down you're like (laughs) uh and these things are actually it's it's terrible thing that they're actually like people are dying in them and it's just this old technology that exists there and there's thousands of them that are mm. like these things. And we're just taught stay away from them, um, stay out of the, of the river if there's a dam there. But um, it, it's also a great place to like, like put in a new structure that would still divert the irrigation water. So the farmers would get all the water they need to like water their crops. But the, the feature that backs up the water to allow that to happen could also be a, an amazing surf wave. So we've got wave hunters, but we also got people looking for these things that like are, might be uh, a place to build a wave and all that kind of thing. Like when you're talking about, is there anything you can do to cultivate a wave? It's it's really hard to just go into a river, especially the river size that we need to like just like move rocks around. I, I get that question <laughs> a lot. Like, can That's why
0: move around (laughs) that's kind of what I pictured in my head I have to say I pictured in my head like me on my parents property in West Virginia and Andre like with our boards kind of like walking around and seeing oh that could almost be a wave if only it had some more like stones and sticks inside of it or something I don't know
1: You can, like, at its, like, (laughs) basic level. Like, I've done it. (laughs) But you can only get so far.
0: Like,
1: typically, if you can move a rock, like, with your hands, then the river is strong enough to move it as well. So you Mm -hmm. might get something for an afternoon, and then you get a rainfall, and a little bit more water comes out, and it just flushes it away right so in the Kananaskis the, the river that we're surfing the, the wave that we're surfing we built that wave like the community raised funds and went through all the government approvals and we have actually built that from start to finish it was a section of the river where there was nothing and we moved rocks but it wasn't like sticks and stones like we, we have special machinery that like gets um, cleaned out so that it can go into a riverbed safely for the, the fish and the environment. And it's, it's giant machinery that's moving these rocks. And we're looking for, we get the rock come in from a local quarry, but we're trying to find stones that are like the size of a Volkswagen beetle. You know, right. like <laughs> something that's not going to move if we have like sort of these, these flood conditions, right? So it's, it's got to kind of stick around long enough because th- this, this can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we don't want to just like move, move some rocks around and then it gets washed away and then we have to rebuild it every few years, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the, it is possible to like, like, maybe cultivate a wave, but those conditions that you're looking for need to be there ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So if you do find a place with a drop, and it does look like there's sort of a wave there, I think you can, like some of these wild waves, for example. Um, one thing I'll say, like when we mentioned that there, there's flow data for rivers, and that's kind of like reading the swell um, of these ocean waves. Excuse me. We're looking for it's measured in cubic feet per second or cubic meters per second if you're in Canada or the Commonwealth. But that's how much water is actually rushing under your feet when you're surfing. You need to have probably around 30 CMS, which is about a thousand CFS. So that's like a certain size of a river. And if it's too small, like a like if it's more like a creek or just a smaller river, there's just it's not going to have enough power to like float you you know what i mean like there's just not enough physics under your feet and that's where i've tried to like i've moved my own rocks and it looks like a river wave like it's got all the shape it needs but you go to stand up on your board and you just sink. right there's Ah. just not enough there so when you get bigger and bigger in the rivers it gets harder and harder to find like to still make that shape happen um but like in Munich, Germany, they've got their their wave that's very famous, it's like downtown. They've done adjustments there or, or um, in the Kananaskis. Um, we've definitely, like we've built the big structure but there's things that you can do uh, moving like by hand some smaller rocks just to divert the water in a little, like a little bit of a different direction and that can help, right? Um, uh, river levels raise and lower so sometimes um, if it's a really good wave one day it might not be as good the next day so you want to divert more water towards the wave you could build like a little like I used to do it as a kid you just like kind of build a wall in the river like you just pile up stones and there's just more water that gets pushed around into the main channel where the wave is being formed so there's Things you can do to improve waves and play around with it. But it's it's very hard to, like, go from flat river to, like, having a wave. Like, when you're it, – it just doesn't quite work. I wish it okay. did.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's just it, – but that's why I wanted to talk about this, right? Because hmm. um, it's just super interesting. Everything about surfing is interesting if you surf, right? Yeah. But what what has been – my enjoyment throughout the podcast is finding these little or big kind of niche areas of surfing and then seeing that from the different perspective so like my even though I surf right I don't understand the dynamics of a river wave so my thought about it was so much like kind of either one way or the other either like I'm going to Munich and I'm going to surf that wave or I'm going to, you know, like an old timey, you know, person out in the woods. Like, well, that looks like a wave, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know?
1: For sure. Definitely. Um, But
0: um, I'm curious. Sorry. What what were you going to say?
1: Well, I would, I would just like, I would say like, especially if we're looking in West Virginia, the, I would gravitate more towards where these communities are sort of already happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just like, um, like maybe not just put river surfing in your search, but like seek out kayakers and whitewater rafters and things like this. Cause there's just, there's already so much knowledge that's there that just, I think today's um, sort of like hive mind or communal brain sort of exists in Instagram and maybe YouTube. A little bit you know what mm-hmm. I mean so so it's it's like if it's not on Instagram it doesn't exist but there's these communities who like have discovered these waves and and know how to get in and out of them safely that it just they're not promoting it and a, a lot of wave hunters do a lot of this sort of in secret there's still a lot of that happening like I know, in in Europe, they've been doing it a lot longer than we have, so they don't have that like beginner stoke where they're like, "I found a wave, everybody come surf it with me." They they've got like these like hunting cams that are like posted in trees somewhere, and they're like, Ooh. you know, like getting a live update of if the wave's good or not. But they're not telling anyone, you know, they're like kind of keeping it to themselves, like that old timing guy. <laughs> like that's sort of still in the culture, and I think. Um, a lot of these waves can be pretty dangerous. And there's almost like these sort of, some of these wild waves, you don't just want to take a beginner there. Like if you're still learning how to river surf, like even Munich can be really dangerous. Like it's not a place for beginners. Even like our Kananaskis wave, we don't suggest beginners start there. There's there's like a, you know, the bunny hill at a ski hill. Like there's a bunny wave like in town in Calgary where you can go and learn and pick up those skills. And it's not the surfing that the beginners need to learn to be able to get to a more advanced wave. It's it's the river awareness of, like, how to not stand up in a current. Like, just putting your feet down in a fast-moving river is extremely dangerous. So there's things that you need to learn for, like, these, these, like, foundational steps of, like, just to be comfortable in your environment. Because in a river, um, it's similar to an ocean where, like, drowning is a hazard like mm-hmm. – you know, if, if you're not prepared for it, but that that is a risk that you have to look at. But in a river, there's all these other risks that might not be associated with an ocean, for example. You know, like if if you have a tree that has fallen into a river and the current doesn't stop, where an ocean wave kind of comes and sets. So there's a lull in a time like if you were to, if you were surfing at a, a reef break and you got tumbled, you went down and your leash hooks onto a piece of coral or something it's like caught up right and the the swell is moving in a direction so that it's like kind of like got you caught like you know you're not you're not moving and I'm like that's oh shit there's something wrong i'm hooked on something you would just need to wait until there was a lull in the set swim down and unhook that leash and swim up to the top but in a river the flow doesn't stop there's no okay. lull right so it, the best example and this is unfortunately where most deaths happen like this is the scariest thing is if you have we call them a strainer or a sweeper if it's on top of the water but say you have a tree in a river and you get caught up in that tree and the the river is just pushing you against the tree with a force so strong that you can't fight back you can't push back right like that's sort you're sort of stuck like at that point, you need a rescue. Like there's mm-hmm. no sort of swimming out of it or getting out of it. So there's all these little things where it's like when when you're going out to try and find these waves. Like I would I would go out and try and find these communities. You know okay, I mean? instead of would, just
0: going out by yourself.
1: Just like hey, I could build a wave, <laughs> or like that looks like a wave. You, you
0: know? Yeah, I I I get that too. It's interesting how this this I think that surf at least these smaller surf communities are kind of dealing with like, how do I manage that safety as more people find the information? It's the same thing as happening in the lake surfing, especially I think with COVID just because people were getting out of the cities, moving into the, the not country, but into smaller yeah. areas by the lake. And um seems like, during covid a huge surge of freshwater surfers has happened which is exciting and also dangerous because you get um you know people on the wrong boards people in the wrong place you got this kind of like oversharing of spots like that you were talking to and so um there is something to be said about a barrier to entry In anything like I know with big wave surfing, a lot of the original guys were so against those inflatable life jackets. Mm -hmm. They were so against it because they were so afraid that quote unquote regular dudes would just try and go out because of that safety net. So um, I think that's a really good point to start looking into other things that already exist where you're located and then kind of expand from there
1: I'd be interested to hear how like if we if we call it a barrier to entry uh, which I think is great of like how it's happening in the lakes or in ocean communities where you've seen it in New Zealand or Florida but like like how or or advice you give to someone from like how do you get from like riding shore break to like getting to like a like a more advanced spot or like one of those better spots because in the in the river like it sounds cliche but like this idea of respect is a big one that comes out but it's um more and more we're seeing sort of like with Instagram like a spot goes up and it's like oh that's a river surf spot I know how to river surf because I can ride straight on Kananaskis wave so I should be able to surf there
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's um it's almost like a sort of sense of entitlement which like is a thing that's kind of m- more prevalent in later generations or maybe I'm getting older and I'm like back in my day sort of thing <laughs> but it's almost like um, when you when you see a more advanced surfer surfing in a more advanced way that's it's you don't see all the little pieces that they did or all the the learnings and everything that they had to go through to get to that point it's just you see the final product and I don't know. So, so for us, it's kind of, it's actually really difficult and we're at sort of a transition period right now in in the river surf community where I think beginner or not just beginners, like everyone who's in river surfing is striving to do more, like Mm -hmm. to surf a bigger wave or find a bigger wave or like go out and do these bigger things, but they might not be ready for it. So.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that, um the lake or freshwater surf community is dealing with that too and it's different where you're at like mm-hmm. depending on where you're at at least from like I'm kind of like still half in that world and half out of that world mm-hmm. but what I see is when I when I see like Toronto Toronto's surf community is very close there, because it's based around a city, right? So it's kind of like more centralized. Um, they kind of have like maybe a home base to kind of check in with. So whether it's Surf the Greats or Surf Ontario or there's one other shop there, it's kind of like a point of contact um, to get started. And like for the most part, the barrier to entry is... How do you get your equipment? Mm. So, in order to get your equipment, you have to go to a shop for the most part for mm-hmm. for lake surfing, because it's not at that point yet. It almost is, but it's not quite at that point where you can go on Craigslist and find an eight foot board, a six mil wetsuit that fits you, and all of that stuff that goes along with it and just go on your merry way. Mm. Um, where what I see on the Lake Michigan side, is it's more spread out. So there's shops, but they're kind of like dotted along all along the lake. And what tends to happen is people kind of each shop area cultivates its own sort of vibe. Yeah. Kind of like what you were saying, the their own like surfer crews. And so the rules or the pecking order might be like a little bit different or the way that people act might be different. Where then if you go all the way up north to the UP, it's pretty, um, there's a low amount of people that are surfing there, but at an extremely high level. Ah. So in, from, from my perspective, the danger becomes someone coming from maybe, like, Michigan or the Toronto surf scene who's had kind of the training, the base training, but then, like you're saying, the entitlement to say, well, I'm just going to go up to Lake Superior, which is a totally different... It, it's, lake Superior is a very, very wild lake. Um, surfer Dan, you know, has tons of stories about that. Mm. Um, it can change really fast. It's super cold. Mm. So the danger kind of becomes... This was named on Lake Superior. I know that there's something happening up there. I'm going to go. And that's, that's where the danger lies. So um, it's starting to kind of... Unfortunately, what's happening is it, it, what looks like a bunch of old, crotchety guys telling the younger generation to respect them. That's not actually what it is. That's actually our last guy that we had on, Tim... Um Timothy Driscoll, he was kind of talking about that about naming the spots. So their whole thought is that when you give a spot a name, like like even in ocean surfing, Chopu or Jaws or whatever, then it becomes like something to check off your list uh, with whether you're ready for that or not. And in a way, I, I mean I believe in self-responsibility. So if you want to go to lake superior and get yourself into trouble that's your that's kind of your own business but the issue becomes this overcrowded thing and then probably same with river surfing then when a rescue happens you're putting other people at danger to try and like help you out Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: um yeah it's it's a it's an interesting kind of conundrum. I know in New Zealand, it was very like the setup where I was living was very like, you kind of go up the chain. And if you weren't ready at a spot, you damn sure would know as soon as you got out there, you would certainly know. And someone would nicely or not nicely help you get the hell out of there. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't seen, and I haven't quite seen that on the lakes. And it's kind of that, that tough balance between the two of them. So, yeah. So,
1: I guess what I'm kind of picking up is like two things is, which we'd be interested to talk about, but I don't know if we have enough time to cover everything about surfing. <laughs> That's right? true, true. But like the surf shop sort of having, um, like i don't know if it's a responsibility but if if they're the access point or if they're the barrier to entry then it's almost on them to sort of guide that experience for someone c- coming into it not even just from a beginner standpoint but as they come back you know it's kind of guiding that experience and then this idea of like checking a wave off the list which is a really great point uh, i gotta listen to that podcast <laughs> go back and and hear that one i haven't listened to it yet but this idea of um, just sort of being a surf tourist, I think, has come up a lot. But um, the difference between surfing at sort of a local break where you have that community there, everyone's sort of looking out for one another, but just showing up at another spot and, and sort of not knowing the dangers, but also not knowing the people. Like you're saying, you're by putting yourself at risk, you're putting others at risk because they now have to sort of watch out for you, mm-hmm. and and you're almost – putting them in a position where they need to tell you about the dangers of that area. Whereas they, they came into it in a way that they were ready for it or they, they knew how to be prepared for that or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's also, I don't know, it's a, it's an interesting time in surfing because, um, there is a movement of like everybody surf and come and like come and surf. And that's awesome. But there needs to be this other conversation too. That's like, um, you know, if someone's yelling at you in the surf, there's a really good chance. They're not just a piece of shit. Well, Like yeah. there's a really high chance that it's adrenaline annoyance and fear. That is why that is coming out of them the way that it is. It happened to me about two weeks ago and it kind of messed up my whole vibe, which it can, only because when I was in, surfing in New Zealand, I was hyper conscious of my where I was at. So I was always sitting um, way outside, way away from the peak, outside and inside, right? So outside, away from the peak, and then kind of inside, so that when the set wave would come through, that would be mine. That's always what I what, almost always what I did until I kind of got more comfortable and more close and even throughout my session, right? So I would kind of work in this kind of U shaped pattern around the inside and outside of the break as I kind of felt more comfortable and was reading the wave and and stuff like that. Um, And this two weeks ago, I was too big of a board, not paying attention to the current and not paying attention to the set waves. And I was right there with this guy and he, Mm -hmm. he hit, you know, we hit basically hit each other and he was a really good surfer like Mm -hmm. shredding on a very nice, one of the nicer waves of the day. Right. But then also we collided and that was my fault. And I'm not even exactly sure what he said to me, but it was something like, I think you're in the wrong place or like, I think you're in the wrong spot or something. And it came out super mean. And I just was like, fuck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, yeah. I, w- I went in and I kind of sat down and then I just kind of started looking and watching the waves. And, um, I think what can, what needs to happen or what should happen is the conversation after the Stoke. So it's like it's good to be stoked. It's good to be like be a beginner and be into it and if you're in the whitewash and someone gives you a hassle, that's their issue because mm-hmm. you're kind of just a beginner and you're in your own way, but I think and I hope that either at the surf shops or within people um they start to kind of make the have the conversation of like hey, like and this is dangerous because of X, Y, and Z, and something other than just a sign. Because I've been seeing lots of signs like "Don't snake the wave" and "Don't be here." That's for an intermediate surfer. Yeah, that's not for someone who's a beginner or even like in between beginner and intermediate. Like it, it just isn't.
1: They don't even know when they're snaking.
0: <laughs> they don't even know when they're snaking. No, they don't. Yeah. And uh, if someone is at the point where they're gonna snake a wave there's a really good chance that they understand the risks the rewards the benefits and also like there's a good chance that maybe they were watching the guy they're snaking away from and he hasn't been catching every wave that he's yeah you know tried for so yeah I don't know that was a little long-winded but (laughs) no that's really
1: good like I've never heard uh like personally, I'm sure it's out there, but I never really heard anybody stand up for like the grumpy old vocal. <laughs> what and it should be like that's great. Like it's it's good to hear it in that light. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in the way that you're putting it forward, and I don't I don't think that that's the type of person who's having those maybe Stoke conversations or or trying to grow surfing. I think they're very happy what they have and they know it's special and they're like happy to go out and do that on their own and maybe not like yeah. broadcast to the world of how amazing surfing is. But it, it it's too, like if, if shops are the barrier to entry, it's also, they're also the ones that are trying to to grow the sport or, or anyone who's trying to like bring mm-hmm. out friends or, or get more people into it. It's almost like as soon as you broadcast to the world or invite someone that's where the responsibility lies Mm -hmm. like if you bring somebody into it you have to show them both sides I guess yeah that's that's good I think that conversation needs to be happening a lot more because we're all like shaka bra yeah let's do it we're all surfers
0: (laughs) yeah well I think so I I think the conversation needs to be had too but I think um you know and I've I've talked in different like especially to California surfers because in California it's so in my experience super extreme and kind of like mean-spirited in this weird like frat bro kind of like picking on the nerd way mm. um which is cool but it's not and that's its own vibe but it's not constructive you yeah. know what I mean like um it's not cool. constructive and I think a lot of surfing is also it's like kind of introspective mm. so Um, you know, hopefully people can kind of start to see that, you know, that old bastard on the longboard, (laughs) you know, he 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 might have at least half of a point. And I'm sure I'm sure it's similar with with the river waves too. I would imagine that there's kind of some like you said, that guy who came and was kind of just being wasn't being dangerous but he was kind of just being an ass and it's kind of like well which
1: can be dangerous as well that's true but there's got to be like this sort of perfect harmony where everybody can get their own ride and like you said like staying in your sort of outside but inside like in your you like there's there's got to be this like utopia of surfing in every surf break where everything works totally smooth and when you come into it in you, you almost have to learn that like everybody's learning it at the same time like okay now there's these kooks coming in like how do I adjust and like it, it's it's like this I don't know like anything you see in nature sort of thing and like you said like fear adrenaline like what was the third one but it's just kind of like oh there's something here and I don't mm-hmm. really know how to react like it's almost it's, it's it's happening on both sides right
0: yeah yes definitely and I mean, there's also this, the aspect of like, um, we're all kind of, at least with ocean surfing, I can say that you kind of are always, there's so many variables. So you're always kind of like, okay, who's this person? What's their skill level? What's my, like, at least for me, that's one, my first, like, um, I forgot who it was that was gave me this advice when I first started surfing, but he told me to take three shitty waves. So just take three shit waves and then find your place in the lineup. So that kind of gives you enough time to get a little warm up and scope out the scene and kind of, you know, get your footing, get your pop up right or whatever. And then you kind of start your session. So with that, you can kind of see, like, who's the grumpy old guy? Where are the beginners and and how are they handling it? Are they just throwing their boards in the air? Um, Are they, you know, do they know how to? Properly, like wipe out, and um, and and then who's actually going for waves? So cool. who's a- who's actually um, going for waves and then making them? And then you can you know because not always, and I'm sure it's the same in river waves. Not it's not always the gearhead, right? It might just be some guy's a gearhead and he loves having boards. I'm kind of like that. I have tons of boards, and I'm you know I'm not an advanced surfer by any means, um, but you know just because they have a whatever with these crazy fins doesn't mean that their place is higher than yours so it's it's a tough it's a tough kind of conundrum I think.
1: Uh, one, One point that you've made though that I think is really good advice for everyone everywhere is like when you said um sort of when you got yelled at you went you paddled out sat watched and like kind of watched the waves and questioned where do I need to be and this this idea of like taking three shit waves, or just like starting your session with like getting a, a, used to your surroundings, like just stopping and looking. It's it's kind of like listening in a conversation, but you do it with your eyes. Like read body language. Like it's 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 not just looking; it's listening, in a in a weird way. Like listening is the wrong word, but it's it has more meaning than looking. You know what I mean? Or really seeing, I guess. Like the difference between looking and seeing. But in a river or ocean or lakes or anything, I think that sense of entitlement is going to get notched down a peg if you sort of, if you're looking at this experience of like, where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go check this wave off my list. It's okay. But then you get there. Now start looking, what is this wave? Like what, what is this that I've brought myself to? And like, instead of just jumping in like kind of like and i think the surfers that are there if if you watch them even like 5 minutes is going to go a long way but like if you can sit and have the patience and sort of study it that's going to help you immensely even for catching waves it's just going to help you a lot more so jumping in head first and like not getting good rides isn't helpful anyway so like maybe just take that time right
0: yeah that and the other thing i just want to say just as it kind of came in my mind is that the, the danger factor is so much different for these kind of like sub genres of surfing, like river surfing, lake surfing, um, any type of like more extreme forms of surfing. Because again, the same guy who told me about the three shit waves um, I used to go out and absolutely ridiculous surf because I was just so like when you're in the beginning and you're like, I'm just, cause you don't, you don't even understand how much danger you're in because you have no concept of what it is. And he talked about like the first scare, like your first big scare. And he's like, yeah, you're everybody's a charger until they have their first like big scare. But the difference from what I've seen is that kind of what you were saying with river surfing like in river surfing your first big scare can be like you stuck to a a tree I forgot what you called that but like a you know something there and then you not being able to get out with lake surfing it can be you're the only person out or it's you and your partner and it's winter and there's no one around to help you
1: yeah yeah that's a that's a big thing with where I'm saying just start looking for the communities out there instead of just like wave scouting mm. and trying to find a wave, because that's the thing when when you learn in a wave at a wave park, you know there I think you take some things for granted, like that you could call nine one one or that there's someone mm. there, and like in a river you're like or at a river park you're probably like in an urban center where like an ambulance could actually get to you, mm. but as, as soon as you're at these wild wave spots, if you take that same mentality that like, if you learn at Boise, for example, and then you go wave hunting, like, I don't think you realize it until you need it, and then maybe you don't have it when you need it, so, yeah, it, that's, that's interesting, it's got me freaked out now, too, oh, why, with some, some Stoke stuff, Yeah. oh, but yeah, just, just realizing, like, that, you know, like, surfing can, can be dangerous, like, it, it, it does yeah. take, it does have some risks, and then, like, you have, like, some good years of, like, really, like, progressing hard and, and like, improving your surfing, you stop thinking about sort of what can go wrong, I guess.
0: (laughs) Well, that's true, and I think, um, I mean, I don't, it is, I guess, like, Heavy, but I I think it's it's something that's important to talk about. And I think even hearing, you know, someone that's listening to this, hopefully they're not like, oh, well, that was dark. Hopefully they're (laughs) like, oh, I'm empowered by this information about what can happen. You know, because the more you know, the better. And even if your skill set isn't, you know, to a certain degree, having the information can help you be a better. Surfer and to also help other people be safer and in a better kind of position as well. So, um mm-hmm. one last thing I wanted to talk about is kind of the difference, and you kind of just spoke about it a little bit, but the difference between the cruise or the the surf vibes at a paid park mm-hmm. versus these kind of Maybe free places or just like wild waves, but wild waves that are kind of known. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So one thing is, uh, like a the riverway parks aren't paid. Like the oh, okay. Yeah. So they so they they have these um like a sort of like the, the Kelly Slater pool, like the, mm-hmm. the wave pool. So they have like wave pools for standing waves, uh-huh. um, and they have like uh, like these pumps. That will like shoot like jet streams of water, so they can create a river wave. Th- those are paid to use, and there's an interesting thing in the river surf community that there's a lot of surfers are saying like that's like really counter to what surfing is. Like I'm sure in ocean surfing world as well, like the environmental aspect of like creating carbon emissions to produce waves is like a no no for some people. Um, so that exists in the river surf world. Um, And it's really popular in Europe. The technology's been around in Europe a lot longer. So they have, like, a world tour that that has, like... I forget how many spots, but, like... And they're getting kids into it, which is amazing, and everything else. Um, So I can definitely speak to that. Because there's something really weird of, like, paying a dollar a minute for your surf. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's gone up since I did it. But it was, like, I had in my head, it was a dollar a minute. So I... Like I paid the thirty bucks for 30 minutes, and like every minute counts. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's this weird thing in your head of like I gotta get the most out of this. And I think people uh, like if there was a crew or like the 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 people who are surfing in that pool um, are very sort of like they don't fool around as much, I guess like they're it's sort of like athlete and training and okay. it's it's interesting it's cool and then the staff who like surf for free they'll goof around and it's great because they they almost have to and they almost like go to the next level like i have a a friend who's working in austria at one of these right now and he'll like you know throw on a speedo and like jump in or do tandem surf it's like you almost got to cut the tension a bit which is which is really interesting and i think that's an important part of surfing like you gotta get out of your head every once in a while too because like you say it's very introspective but you can almost get lost in like mm. being a little too focused like so in the lineup I'll try and sing a song or something like that just <laughs> to shake the funk and be like oh yeah remember we're doing this because it's fun like the just the natural word of being fun and uh yeah so the community around these wild waves is really interesting too because um they're usually outside of an urban center so like everyone who's who's there has traveled to there so there's not really any local spots which makes it it's almost like this weird family reunion vibe it's fitting that you're at a family reunion you know like
0: (laughs) that is that is very fitting
1: full circle there's people that I surf with uh, like every springtime that like uh like every year I surf with these people and like we don't we live like you know 10-15 hours apart and like that's the only time I see them so it's it does almost have a community and, it, and it's got this like community spirit and community vibe but like I don't even know living or like when, when we get together we have like endless chats like we sit around a campfire usually because we're like camping we'll like chat about fins or boards or like waves or all this stuff and then like I don't know anything about them. It's it's kind of like you just have surfing that is the bond that ties you mm-hmm. together. And I almost really like it. <laughs> like it's that that's where for me at least I feel like I'm most of myself. Like I, I don't have to like pretend to fit into some society that, <laughs> like at my 9 to 5 job kind of thing. Like I I really feel at home and I I get the sense that everyone there kind of feels that, which is which is really nice. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, I think that's a really good to- place to kind of.
1: <laughs> that lightened my mood. That was good. Yeah,
0: me too. That was, I feel like that's awesome. That's How true. do you feel?
1: Yeah, I feel great.
0: Okay, yeah. cool.